Welcome, everybody, to The Intersection. This is Middlebrook Pikes Podcast, where we're trying to find out where faith and life meet. And to accomplish that purpose, we are bringing in members of our congregation, members of our city, our community, and maybe one day, if we can find the technology, somebody even uh, around the world. Um, and so today we have our own Molly Troutman. Um, and Molly is actually, um, this is the second podcast we've had with a new employee of Middlebrook Pike. Actually, uh, you, you all, if you've been here a while, probably know Molly. Um, but she has actually taken over uh, the position that we have dreamed of since before I've been here for sure. Like I, I came in and they were in the middle of a conversation about how they were dreaming of maybe one day we can get this connections director, um, and fill that position. And we finally, Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, one or two weeks ago, uh, finally filled it, um, and we we split the job in half because of the the struggles we're having with coronavirus, and so now we've got Laurel, who we've already introduced you to, and Molly. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting couple weeks for you guys too. I've the the moment they said that they hired you and you guys were at the staff meeting and everything, I immediately was like, man, what a crappy time to join a church like being part of it it's like we're transitioning you have to literally start from scratch during all this absolutely but (laughs) what a great time to get to connect with members of our church when we have been disconnected so it's kind of picking up where we left off in march that i get to connect and say hey here's who i am here's my job Uh, how are you what can we do to keep you connected with our church family? Well, so it's a very I think opportunistic it's mindset. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, so Molly, tell us, um, t- like, where are you from? Like, tell tell us kind of like your history, um, it because this podcast is targeted towards our congregation, obviously, um, but it, it it's kind of a timeless thing. So there might be people that come in the future that don't know who Molly Troutman is. Uh, well, I don't know her story. So. I have a very short story. I am from Knoxville, grew up um, Catholic over at Sacred Heart. Catholic? Catholic, yes. Until what age? Um, until I was married. So I was Catholic until I was married. Okay. Um, small bit of trivia. My dad was an architect, and he okay. actually designed the education building that really? sits behind us. Yes. So wow. when I was younger, I came to see his work in progress right here on this property. I uh, went to Bearden Middle School. I uh, went to Bearden High School, went to UT, Ooh. Okay. got married right out of college, lived down Francis Road, which is right back here. So you've been here your whole and freaking so life. And so when I married Mark, we were going to La Follette, where he's from, to go to church sometimes because that gave us an opportunity to be with his mom and dad and uh-huh. go out to lunch. Well, that was great, except that I worked retail and I worked every Saturday. So Sunday was my day off. Yeah. And to spend an entire day driving to La Follette, going to church, going to lunch, sitting around visiting, getting home at 5 o'clock... I was like, eh, and that was at Methodist Church. That was a Methodist and church. guess what? We passed one right here every time we <laughs> drove to church on Sunday, 45 minutes away. So we were a pit stop for you. That's we what you're were saying. start the car, roll down the hill, and we were in the parking lot kind of thing. So we ended up here because some of our neighbors also yeah. realized that you could look, leave at like three minutes till 11 and be at church right <laughs> on time. So that's how we landed here was really because of location. Wow. And that was back in 1991 or back in the 1900s, as I like to say. 
so that's like that is the most interesting uh man that this is such a weird you went from literally growing up in the catholic church of all things mm-hmm. like the the church that's known for the longest masses you'll mm-hmm. I, I shiver when I think about some of the Catholic weddings that I've sat through. Like, honestly, I, I well, love them to death and I have many good Catholic friends, but oh my gosh. I went to many Catholic to masses Methodist. because I went to Sacred Heart for first through sixth grade uh-huh. and we were required to go to church Monday through okay. Friday morning. And then I had Saturday off unless we went to Saturday night mass instead of Sunday morning mass right. at 7 a.m., which my family went to. Mm-hmm. So... By the time I left Sacred Heart and went to seventh grade over at Bearden Junior High at the time, uh-huh. um, I was kind of tired of going to church se- six days a week. And by the time I met Mark, the Catholic Center. Church, which is great, and I love it, and I respect it for what it is, but I needed to be fed in a different way because the Catholic Mass had become kind of a responsive nature for me they say i say sit stand kneel aerobics type thing and i needed to have a little bit more of a surprise in my sunday morning worship sure. and yeah. are we singing are we responding are we clapping i mean it was are you, are you a con- you're contemporary. I'm contemporary okay uh, that that explains yes. it. you lashed out the other way hard then okay. oh well <laughs> the contemporary wasn't around back in the 1900s we started it later so yeah. started out in the traditional. The way you service. say 1900s makes you sound like 400 years old. You're not that yeah, old. Come well, on. <laughs> it, feels like, it might feel like it today. It's been a long week. It's only Wednesday. Oh, gosh. Okay. So tell me about where, when you, uh, your, your kind of work history. Um, what, so when you became of age to, to get a job, what, what did you, you said you worked retail, right? I did. I started at 15 years old working in a preteen girls clothing store. Okay. And that was in Knox Plaza where Kroger is behind SNS Cafeteria. So I worked ah. there and then journeyed with her as she moved the store to downtown West. And I worked there for probably three years until I went to UT, took a semester off, I guess fall semester. Spring of freshman year, I started working at a ladies clothing store yeah. here in town that was called Conley E. Morris and Deborah English owned it. She changed the name to Deborah English, where I worked for the next six years until I had my first child. So I started a long time ago in retail, took some time off when I had Paige, who is almost 28, and then started back into retail in a short, small way from home. You are insane right now. You're opting into retail for that long is the craziest idea. Still in it, and it is wow ever changing. Right now is a hard time for retail. So I'm I'm having this this weird back and forth. Uh, what the staff know, uh, or the, the longtime staff know, that I have an unhealthy addiction to Chick Fil A, um, oh. as we all kind of do, but like mine's bad. Um, I think I have like three thousand points on the app right now. It's crazy, that's but a, that's that's an addiction. It's a, yeah, it's pro- <laughs> it's a problem. I'm getting help, um, but. Uh, I go through the drive-thru and they see so many people. They still don't recognize me 99.9% of the time. But there's this one guy that always knows exactly who I am. Because one time we had like a problem where my order took like 30 minutes. They were having some kind of an issue, whatever. That's a and big was, issue at Chick-fil-A. Right, right. And, you know, it's like one of those like this has happened once out of a thousand times. I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> like I, it was not a problem to me. But he was the guy that had to like tell me, I'm so sorry your food's taking so long. And go back. He had to go back and forth to my car like four times or something. 
I was like, dude, it's fine. But ever since that time, he has recognized exactly who I am before he got to my car and he's been like, man, I hope it doesn't take this long this time. Ha ha ha. Like, stop, stop acting like, stop. You don't yeah. know me. You don't know me when I'm here. You're making me feel addicted. Yeah. That's uh, funny. So I've been having this issue where, where I have an interesting interaction with, with, with my customer service people. And it makes me think of my prior days in the customer service field. Uh, have you heard of Karens? Like the, the whole, uh, this person is such a Karen if they yes. act like this, right? Yes. It's, it's kind of the, for our viewers, a blanket term for uh, angry customer service lady that asks for the manager the moment she comes in and causes a problem or whatever. Yes. So. And I've worked in retail before, so I want to know, what is your like number one, I want to say Karen story, but like weird customer service freak out problem? Like, I want to hear a crazy retail story. We all have them. You've been well, there the, long enough. I know you do. I've I've been in it a long time. I will say that the last 20 years, I have sold clothes out of my home. So I turned my house into a women's retail store four to six times a year. Clothes ship in. I put them up. My customers come and shop. At and At my house, oh, yes. Okay. So my kids know nothing else except for the fact that our house turns into a retail clothing store wow. um, many times a year for sometimes a month each time. So I've been very blessed with a very good um, client base, but I did have one client that um, travels a lot and her clothes came in and I had prepaid for her clothes and she left them and left them and left them. And finally, I had to let her know that, you know, if you don't want these clothes, I need to send them back. And she acted like she had no idea that I had her clothes or that she had not paid for them and that I could just return them and take her off my list. And I thought, well, uh-huh. happy to because you're the <laughs> one that has asked me to bend over backwards more than any other customer, which I have just graciously done for six weeks as I've held on to your clothes that I had yeah. paid for. Wow. So I happily took her off my list. <laughs> and then her best friend who shopped with me was free to buy anything she wanted because there was no competition between who bought it first. So ah, okay. So it, it, it worked was out all, in your favor. It all worked out fine. But that was probably about the ugliest thing I've had to deal with. Wow. You and are lucky. I'm I'm very blessed. <laughs> it is lucky. it's actually been um more of a ministry for me than it has been a business. Yeah. Because when you call hundreds, make hundreds of phone calls for every show, because I have to make a phone call for every appointment that my customers have with me, because it's a one-on-one appointment, you know, Tuesday at 10 or whatever time it is. And you get to hear about everything going on in their life. It is truly retail therapy. Mm. So when you call to see if they want to come and shop for the fall show, Next week, and they say, oh, my gosh, my mom's in the hospital, Mm. or I'm taking my child to college, or I just put my child in rehab. It is an opportunity for me to say, I will pray for you, and to Mm. let them know that I am praying for them. And the next time I call, I'll have a note that 
tells me what was going on and that they skipped the show because they had life going on. Yeah. It's closed. I always tell them, look, we won't be naked if you don't come and shop. It's just not that important compared to what's going on in your life. So I've been really blessed that it's been a yeah. ministry for me to journey with these customers. And some, I can't even call customers anymore. They are dear friends. And some have even become spiritual mentors to me. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so when you were starting out, in, I mean, let, let me ask you this question first, just as a baseline. Did you know that retail, um, cause th this is a part-time uh, communications director job, to be clear, yes. correct? Yes. Yes. Um, so you're still doing your retail thing. I'm still doing retail. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you started out in your retail career, um, mm -hmm. did you think that it would be kind of what you did? Like your your long term career because you started out young, right? And I started when enough. I was young. My mom yeah. found this job for me, and she said, "Hey, Sissy's hiring," and I was like, "Okay." She's like, oh, "I'm going to take you over next week," and so she kind of sold me out and got the first job for me, and I loved it. And at that point in my career, I was also the go between because it was a preteen girls store. Okay. And anytime a mom says, here, try this on. I think you'll like it. Of course, the daughter's not going to like what her mom wants sure. her to try. So <laughs> I became the go-between. The mom could say, take this to her in the dressing room. Oh. And so that was um, sneaky. That was probably where I learned how to become a mediator. And, um, <laughs> you and got to be the cool aunt for like five minutes at a yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. And I was young and I was closer to their age. And so it was fun, but I never dreamt it would be something I would still be doing in 2020. But, yeah. um, when I went back to work out of the home, it was because a lady was in my husband's office and she saw our wedding picture and she commented on my wedding dress. And he said, Oh yeah, she's, you know, been in retail and, mm -hmm. She happened to sell clothes out of her home. And so he sold me out. So I've been sold out ah. twice by my mom and my <laughs> husband to get me into retail. And when I started my journey 20 years ago doing my own thing without that other lady, no, I never would have dreamt it would be the same job 20 years later. But it's really all I ever know. I, I have a self-proclaimed um, PhD in putting black and white together. <laughs> I'm very gifted at putting black and white together. <laughs> Um, so are there, have there been people that are like, I don't say overly influential, like more influent because you seem to be a very, if I can make the observation, you are clearly an optimist, um, an opportunist even, um, in that you, you seem to search for opportunity in, in pretty much anything. Um, I've noticed so far in this interview anyway. I'd say that's fair. I'm also a realist. How so? Um, I see the opportunity. I can see the negative side, but I yeah. like to see the, the realistic side. Mm -hmm. um, I also learned from our neighbors who have a son in a, with a disability, and he's in a wheelchair, and his parents have always said, you can do anything you want. You just have to learn to do it different. So I like to think of opportunities oh. as taking you down many different paths. You just have to figure out how to do it for you. Hmm. That's an interesting concept. Yeah. You have to learn to do it different. Like I've heard a variation of that. Oh, yes. But, we uh, have, we it, have water skied with him. We have snow skied with him. He does, he doesn't miss anything. They yeah. just figure out how to do it differently because hmm. he's in a wheelchair. So hmm. I like to think of 
how you can do something instead of seeing the obstacles as things that stop you from doing something. Mm. Let's figure out how we can get over them, around them, through them until we see we really can't. Have you done one of those uh, personality type tests? I did one or anything like that. The VIA strength finder. Okay. I'm not familiar with that one. What, what's the, uh, Uh, formula 20, I think it's 24 strengths. And even though your last one might be your weakest, okay. Um, which as we were talking earlier about getting new computers, my least strength is love of learning. So when I get a new uh-huh. computer, I'm going to call you to help me with it because love of learning is my list. is not my um, best strength. Yeah, uh, sure. Mine ended up, mine was forgiveness. Forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. What kind of questions led led to that solution? Do you know? I wish I could go back uh, and take it again and tests. see if it comes out the same top five. But the via strength really wants you to not worry about the other 20 uh-huh. lesser strengths and to, to focus. really focus on um, the five strengths that you really have and understanding those in other people so you can lean in okay. and kind of meet them where they are. Yeah, we did a whole like long series as staff, kind of as a development thing um, before you came in uh, on the Enneagram. And I'd like to do that. My daughter wants me to do that one. It's interesting. Uh, I hate taking little tests like that. I think that probably showed up in my Enneagram at some point uh, where I just kind of started marking stuff. Um, but it got to a point where my results, and I can't remember exactly what they were, but my results were like, I have a split person. I think I broke the test, honestly. I had, <laughs> I think there's six or seven categories in the Enneagram, maybe eight. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think it's eight. Yeah. Uh, there, there's eight personality types. And I think four of them were my number one. Like they, I had a four-way tie for number one. Wow. Yeah. I bet so that I legit am a ever crazy happen. person. I'm a crazy person. <laughs> Split personality. Straight up. Four ways. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Um, but it gets me to thinking, um, do you think, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk to, to Molly about, um, is do you think our personalities, whatever strengths, weaknesses, whatever it might be for you, do you think our personalities affect how we do or do not rely on God or like to what level or in what way um, our kind of our relationship with that? I think so. I I think that um, we all have parts of our personality that we don't really like. And those are things that we might want to push away. And we don't love of learning for you. (laughs) That would be love of learning. learning. (laughs) Set up my new computer and just show me what I need to know. And I'm, I'm good with that. Okay. Um, my number one strength was forgiveness yeah. in this. And I think God can really use that because forgiveness is really a test. Mm. It's a test of where are you going with that grudge, resentment. Forgiveness comes with a lot of negative feelings. And I think we definitely need to lean into God for some of these to either practice doing those better whether it's love or forgiveness or kindness, doing those better, but also learning how to to use those in your everyday life or recognizing those in others so that you can have a more authentic relationship. Mm. It's, it's interesting because that's something I struggle with, I, I'd say. Um, I, for, and, and I think for me, it's more about the empathy. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, it, it's hard for me to get around some of those negative feelings you're talking about uh, when it comes to forgiveness or something negative or something I can't really understand or fully empathize with. Um, like for instance, last night, um, I was doing a Bible study online and, uh, some random person, I probably never met them in my life, popped into the chat and started telling me about the tragedy that just happened yesterday in Beirut. Not sure if you heard. Yes, about it. I've um, heard of that. Yeah, and there's there's an explosion that that killed over a, like a hundred people and injured like three thousand more, something like that, three or four thousand more. Very sad. Um, and, and so he started telling me about that, and I feel so guilty because my first react, uh, not my first reaction, my first reaction was shock and like, wow, that sucks, like that's horrible. Um, but as as like. 30 seconds go by and I'm watching the video and it's like, I'm online, I'm live, I'm trying to do a Bible study. Like, I feel awful because in my brain, I'm like, how do I transition back into a Bible study right now? Like, that's what's on my mind. It's not like, can't like empathize, like really feeling the tragedy, feeling the the sadness uh, of that. It was, how can we move on? And and so my lack of empathy there, I think, affected kind of how I moved us in a I don't know if it was a healthy direction or not, honestly, but I think for me, that's a struggle is getting to that point. Like you, you're saying with forgiveness of coping with the negative emotions. Yeah. And I do think that in some areas of our life, it's easier to, to pull our faith in and to really try to focus on, I will just keep using the word forgiveness since that was my number one strength Mm -hmm. and to, Think about, okay, what is forgiveness in my faith? Well, forgiveness is, I sin every day. Yeah. You know, I I like the phrase, don't judge me because my sin looks different than yours. Mm -hmm. We all sin every day. We always think about the big things. You know, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't (laughs) do this, that, or whatever. And when we get to heaven, God's going to look at all of our sins equal. And Mm -hmm. if I'm holding a grudge and won't forgive somebody for something, then how do I expect God to forgive me for the things that I do every single day? Hmm. And so it makes you realize, wow, if I don't really want to be judged for that gossip that I did yesterday, I need to ask forgiveness. Yeah. I need to recognize where I went wrong in my own life where my sins are, and then I need to forgive others when they sin against me. You know what's interesting is the Bible study we were doing last night was on the book of Hosea. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about kind of the form of the book um, was its prophet in in the Old Testament um, that was commanded by God to marry a woman that they both knew was not going to be faithful to him, like basically a prostitute, like this girl was around, right? And, And they both knew, and God commanded him, find a girl like that, marry that woman. Um, and they both knew she was going to cheat on him, and she did. And so the first chapter is him commanding that. The second chapter is God going to this kind of like poetic soliloquy of you are like, I am like the bridegroom, and you are like the cheating wife in this relationship. My my people, I save them, I bring them in a relationship with me, and they constantly cheat on me over and over and over and over again. And so that's the cycle that we see in the Old Testament is God brings them up out of Egypt they worship a golden mm-hmm. calf. They, he forgives them. They ask for a king. He gives them a king. They sin. They forget him. They repent, and whatever. And he forgives, and that's the cycle, right? And Hosea right. finally gets to a breaking point where the whole bulk of the book is him saying, "Listen, you've done this for so long, and now you're not even repenting. Like I've forgiven you and forgiven you and forgiven you. You're not even repenting anymore." 
And it was interesting because it was showing the forgiveness in this. You, you bring up forgiveness in this way um, that makes me think of what we were talking about last night, where God is kind of in this constant state of trying his very, very best to forgive us. And we're just making it so hard, <laughs> so difficult for yes. just God to do that. Yes. Um, and yeah, so when you think about forgiveness in, in, in that way where it's like, it's a big deal to forgive somebody like all the implications of it because forgive and forget are two different things right because we can forgive you but we can't forget mm. and there are times that you just wish you could just take that eraser and erase whatever you you need to forgive because it would sure be feel a lot more authentic if you could <laughs> yeah, forget it, it and then you forgave it and you don't ever have to think about it again mm-hmm we're not made that way. So sometimes you have to forgive over and over and over. And sometimes forgetting and forgetting, you just have to separate and say, I can forgive you, but I won't forget it. Yeah. Because God didn't make us that way. I, th- I think that understanding of the difference between us forgiving somebody and God forgiving somebody mm-hmm. kind of helps with this idea of relying on God that we are talking about. I think um, it. It, it makes it easier to rely on God for our forgiveness if we realize that when I forgive somebody, it's not the same as when it God does. It is not the same. You're, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Is It's not the same because God forgives us because his mercy is new every day. Yeah. He forgives us every day. We need to ask for it, but he forgives us and he forgets. He wipes it clean. It's, it's a and terrifyingly can't cool wipe it clean. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, thank you, Jesus, that... You died for my sins because I can't get it right 10 minutes after being out of bed some days. Because guess what? I'm often, you're a saint, often running to the, to the computer to start work. And, you know, shame on me. You forget to bring God into your day and you're only 10 minutes in. And that's a bad place to start your day. Yeah. Is there, um, if, if you could go back in time, I've, I've gotten addicted to asking this question. I've, uh, it's like, The, the, I've got the Hallmark question, which I'll ask you here in a minute. Um, but this has become like my secondary Hallmark question because I just love this question so much. If you could go back in time, you have a gun to your head. Yeah. And like you just can't not do it. You have to. Uh, you got to go back in time and change one thing that you have the power to change. It can't be something just mm-hmm. happened to you or whatever. Um, what would you change and why? Something that you have the power you could have changed if you knew better. I think the thing I would change is a regret that I have for mismanaging some of my early days in our marriage when we had the freedom as a couple to do anything. Mm. And we both had faith, but we didn't, we didn't need our faith. We didn't, we didn't rely on it because we were young and having fun <laughs> and we're cool, we're hip. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we were busy. I was working. We were having fun with neighbors and we had a great neighborhood down the street and we just enjoyed life. Now that I see this church and I see what we have benefited from, from being part of a church community and what our children have grown up in this church, being part of a church community, I wish I could go back to those early 20s, mid 20s when I was not attached to a family life and I could have been part of a church community and given back and mm-hmm. been may, been stronger in my faith, been um recognized my faith on a daily basis. 
I wish I could have been here as a mentor to some of the high school kids or middle school kids. I think that would have felt a lot better than what I was doing. And I think that would have, um, that would have just been a better use of my time. But God had different, different timing for me to be drawn closer to him. And that was when I got pregnant with my first child. And partway through the pregnancy, they said, oh, your test came back that she could have Down syndrome. And that was out of nowhere. And I will tell you, that brought me to my knees. It wasn't a question of keeping a pregnancy or poor me or anything like that. It was, how do I cope with this? Teach me now, while I'm pregnant, how to cope with a child that might have a disability the rest of its life. We didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. And that really jump-started me back into my faith because I had to lean on it. And I called my best friend who grew up next door to me, who my daughter is named after. And I said, here's what's happening. And she said, Molly, your child is born to worship God. What's to say that just because your child might be born with Down syndrome, your child won't be fulfill that purpose to worship God. You're just here to bring that child into the world and to nurture and love it. Mm -hmm. And she really set me back on track with my faith heading in a direction that I'd kind of put on a shelf for a little while. And I'm grateful that, that Paige did that for me, my friend Paige. And then my daughter ended up without uh, Down syndrome and God has used that as a platform for where I am today. But yeah. I do wish I could go back and to them, the and not waste 20s. those to not waste those um, in a spiritual way. Yeah, I that is probably one of the biggest mysteries and regrets, and uh, it's just something that's baffled me f- to my core about twenties, and and not even just twenties. <laughs> literally, the moment they get the driver's license to 30 to to my age um is a is and i'm barely an exception to the rule and i'm a youth pastor uh where it's almost across the board is the 20s are just that time of wandering and and just walking Figuring it and, out on your own yeah and it, it almost always takes a kid or the right godly wife or husband or whatever to, to bring them back but generally that's why we lose so many people out of youth group till they're starting their own family yeah. um, at the church because there's just when we all always we don't always have that answer but i think we all in the back of our minds wish we could have gone back and been like man probably yeah. shouldn't have done that or that or that yeah there's some regrets for some 20s. stupid things <laughs> i have done but i think you know wasting an opportunity that I I so didn't even recognize was, sure. was something I could have been doing. So I wish I could have been more of the person then that God has molded me into now. Yeah. And used me for something better than myself. <laughs> it was a great time to look inward. <laughs> so now that we are to the point of realizing all that stuff, mm-hmm. that the question of the podcast, where for you, Molly, does faith and life meet? Faith in life meets when you open your eyes at 3 a.m. and you can't go back to sleep. What What else is there to do? You know, God meets us in the darkest places. 
And that's literally and figuratively, I think when I wake up in the middle of the night, my first thoughts are praying because I'm, I feel like it's the wrestling with God in the middle of the night that sometimes allows me to do nothing. I'm not going to get up and get on the computer. I'm not getting on my phone. I'm not calling anybody. All I can do is lie there and think my own thoughts and listen to what God has to say. And it's uninterrupted quiet time. When I wake up at six o'clock, six thirty, my thoughts are, you know, good morning, God, you have given me the breath for this day. And I want to start my day with him first. And so my thoughts are always, he's just, he's trained me that way. Anytime I wake up, my first thoughts are on him. And I did a whole study on the 23rd Psalm uh, in my Wednesday night Bible study. And I find myself so many times just saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Done. I shall not want for anything because he's our provider. So when things in life are disappointing and things in life fall short and, you know, and I've had a lot of struggles in the last several years, personally and professionally with a lot of change. And I have to remember, he is my everything. I am that dumb sheep that keeps wanting to leave the flock. And he keeps saying, come on, get back here. And he puts me back on that path. And so faith in life happen every day for me because mm. God has molded me that way. I had my faith, but before our life encountered some hard times four and a half years ago, my faith was good. And it was part of most days of my week, but not every day. And when you it's have- good, but oh, not as good as you thought it was. It's not as intentional as it is now. Right. It was when I had time and when I really, you know, on Sundays, of course, it was there because Sunday is, you know, your holy day. Sure. But now my faith is what I hope to live and what I hope to reflect because God wants us to reflect him. And when he allows us to go through hard times, he allows us to be mindful of his presence at every hour of the day. And life is lived every hour of the day. That's, I, I really attach to what you said there uh, about Sunday morning faith. Um, and it, the, the first thing that comes to my head is like, you know, your Sunday morning faith is important. So don't like take that Absolutely. statement the wrong way, but like more important, I would almost say, or just as, but I would say even more important is your faith for the rest of the week. Because it's easy to have it on Sunday morning. Well, Jimmy it's Buffett says there's it. a fine line between Saturday night and Sunday morning. <laughs> Don't know if you're a Buffett fan, but if you're not, a, if you're a parrot head, you'll know that. But there, I, uh, I think you can use that does, fine so. line between Saturday night and Sunday morning every day of the week. But when no one's watching, act as if someone is, because God's always watching. So we should never have the fine line between Saturday night and Sunday morning because God gives us 24 hours every day, every yeah. day. And we need to be grateful for that. And this is such a specific time where that kind of a mentality is so important because it's easy to even skip Sunday at this point. It's, it's easy to skip every day during it's, coronavirus yes. where we can't come to church or we don't have programs constantly going on at the church and things like that. 
So it's it's very self motivated, and a lot of our jobs, even like professionally, are very. You you're probably used to self motivated jobs since you were working out of your house all the time. Mm-hmm. But a lot of us, we we need to go to work to really feel like we're at work, and when we're doing it at home, it's easy to just skip out on that mentality in our faith and professional lives. And so, right now, I think is a good challenge for us to feel it on a Tuesday or on a Thursday. Or Absolutely because we don't Saturday realize night. it's Sunday sometimes and yeah. I can I'm good at keeping up with the days of the week right now but I'm missing dates. I'm missing mm-hmm. my dad and his wife's anniversary which should have been something that I recognized but I forgot it was July 11th. I knew it was Saturday but I had no concept of what date it was. And so I've missed a few things because I've totally missed a a date. Um, it's, uh, it is a weird time that we're living in. And I think it's something that we can look at that maybe God, we are a busy society. I mean, when soccer games take over Sunday morning, when baseball tournaments take over Sunday morning, when we just get too tired from Saturday night and we skip out on Sunday morning. I think for us as a society across the world to slow down, we need, we needed this slowdown because mm-hmm. we are so busy. We forget God so a I, lot. I, I was going to ask the question and this might wrap into what you're saying. It might not. So I'll just ask it. Um, if there is one thing and it's kind of our closing question here, there's one thing that you would tell your church um, during this time, what would you tell them? Or was that it? Because you kind of nailed that. You know, I think (laughs) it's that you're not alone. I I realized that in my profession, I work from home all the time I have for 20 years. Hmm. My life hasn't changed that much through COVID. There are a lot of people who are missing the connection. And as the newly appointed Uh connections director we just have to connect in a different way. Mm. We can do anything we want. We just have to do it differently. So when the phone rings, answer it. When the Zoom call invitation comes, accept it. If you don't know how to Zoom, ask somebody. <laughs> we can get you on it. Call Jacob Reedy. Call Jacob Reedy. <laughs> Sorry, Jacob. I'm not. Um, but I think that we don't need to hide under our own shell right now. This is when we need to learn to formulate relationships in a new way and an exciting way. And I think the word intentional has to come up because we have to be intentional. It is easy to get up again today and just hunker down in your own life, whatever that looks like, and push the world away because the world is struggling and ugly right now. Yeah. But our church members are still our family. And we need to remember to connect with family. So I would love to think that if you're in a small group, stay connected to your small group. Don't, don't let those weeks go by without connecting. If you have an email from your small group, go back to it. Send out four or five today. It won't take very, very much time. I mean, if you need to copy and paste a message, it's Mm -hmm. okay. But I think connecting to people is really important because God made us to interact with one another. And when we're not interacting, it does feel empty and it feels lonely. So I think that brings up other anxieties, which, you know, our Monday motivation is going to 
talk towards some of those anxieties as school goes back in and some of us are pushing our limits however many months in what five months into this six months it's too long three years yeah i saw a calendar the other day it went january february the next months were all like this and then it went and then it said december and those months just said covid (laughs) i thought yep we had we're going to have a few months this year that we can identify and the rest are just one long spring break. That's right. really all that it's been. But yeah. I really want people to connect. I want them to answer when I call or email. I want them to know that they are not alone and um, that we are a church family. We are on the corner with where faith and life meet and we are still here for you. Awesome. God's still here for us. Thank you, Molly. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next week, week after soon. Bye.